BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. the Penguin Gotham. You are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Here we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, Juwan, and as always, I am joined by my amazing panel. Uh, starting off with Tia. What's going on, Tia? Good morning, Juwan. Good morning, Juwan. This is, like, you can tell how tired I am, but I literally am like, good morning, Juwan. It's good afternoon, <laughs> but uh, you know what? If you're listening to this in the morning on your way to work, then good morning, everyone. Yeah, you don't ever have to worry about saying good morning as we're doing this show, because that would mean I would have to be up before noon to warrant a and good morning. Just, to do this show. And that's just and That'll never happen to you. Um, and also, Nick, what's going on, Nick? What up, man? Uh, just, man, ready to talk about the casting of the Batman. I'm so excited. I'm so fucking pumped. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're definitely going to get with that. But first, I want to start off with, we got news yesterday, the day before. Um, we will be getting not only uh, the final trailer, but a full-length, not just a teaser, a full-length final trailer for Star Wars um, tomorrow night during Monday Night Football. Usually, I wouldn't really care. I'd just watch it on YouTube, you know, when, when they put it there. But my Patriots are playing. So it gives me extra go. motivation to be watching this uh, for the trailer. So I wanted us to talk about our expectations. We know last trailer, it ended with the, the huge jaw drop of Ray um, wielding a dual-sided um, red lightsaber. So my question, I'm going to start off with you, Nick. Um, what are your expectations for this final trailer? Like, I know you don't need anything else to be sold, but what are some of the things you would like to see 
um, coming out of this final trailer? Uh, probably like get a few more glimpses at some of the new faces. Uh, we got a couple of those um, with I think Carrie Russell and um, oh man, I forget the actor's name, but uh, the I think he's Australian actor. Um, so probably probably a, a look at a, a you know a quick look at, at those two. Um, I don't think we've seen very much if if any of them in the in the new trailers. Just a couple still images that have come out, um, and. Uh, Probably some kind of uh, some kind of surprise at the end. Um, maybe get a, a, a look at the emperor. Um, I, I, not necessarily expecting that, but I mean, I think that would be a possibility. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think at, at this point, it's just get everyone excited, remind them it's it's going to be here very shortly, um, and uh, you know, try to try to tap into that nostalgia for all the people who hated the last Jedi to be like, all right, guys, come back. It's JJ Abrams again. You know, I made the, I made the one you guys liked. So uh, come back and come back and see us. Yeah. Uh, that, that is very big. Um, Cause if you're uh, if you're Disney, you need to um, remind people, this is not Ryan Johnson's star Wars. This is JJ Abrams. Right. Star Wars. Um, even though I've, to me, it's like everyone that hated Ryan Johnson's Star Wars, even if Ryan was directing this last one, they still would have went to see it only to say how much they hate Ryan Johnson. So, I mean, <laughs> the money would have been spent regardless. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily need to see much. Um, I don't even really have anything I want to see. I mean, now that you tease me a little bit um, with Ray with the, the red lightsaber, if that's not... Uh, a vision or, or something like that. I'd like to maybe see her um, use it. Um, you know, just a quick shot of her using it. Um, so it kind of just feels like maybe they're they're really going there. Um, but I definitely would like this trailer to be more Kylo. Um, I just I want to see more of Kylo. I want to see a little bit more of the Knights of Ren. Um, you know, just a little bit more of that. But I mean, I, I guess I side with you. More of the new faces. Um, I saw the full figure, like the uh, the action figure of Carrie Russell's character. It looks really, it looks so dope, Nick, that for a second I was like, man, I kind of wish this character could be in The Mandalorian because she just kind of yeah. looked like she would fit in it. Um, and yeah. I, I want to see that character more than just this movie because it just looks cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, new faces. Um, the The lady that supposedly might be playing Lando's daughter, uh, maybe get a few more shots of her. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's not much that we need to see because there's not much that we need to be sold on. Um, but, Tia, um, I can't remember your thoughts on, on the original trailer, but w what are your expectations for this final trailer? What what are you looking forward to? Well, I would say that I'm looking forward to kind of the feel of the trailer what comes to mind is the trailer, like the first one that we saw, say, for Avengers Endgame, because this was the end for so many characters for, you know, that whole storyline. So similar with this Star Wars trailer, it is the end of the Skywalker saga. And to me, I like trailers. I like the feel that it sets up. So I think that how they have the feel of it for you to really grasp the fact that this is 
the end of this particular story, not other stories, but this particular story. So to me, I think that that's what I'm looking forward to most with it is just kind of how they set up for everyone to walk into the theater and kind of have that feeling like, all right, one last ride with the Skywalker saga. And I believe that's kind of really what I'm, you know, mostly looking forward to with this, um, especially considering that I still haven't seen The Last Jedi. Um, so I don't know. I, I am interested and I want to see if it really kind of reels me in enough to make me want to go see it in theaters. I, Star Wars to me, I, I've always viewed as as the same as Marvel movies. Um, like if you if you're watching Marvel movies just to be entertained, um, you don't have to watch them in order. Like if you didn't see um, whatever movies came out before um, Infinity War, it didn't take away from the fact that it just visually was still really cool. Like it was entertaining. Like you maybe didn't know what was going on. Um, like when people were cheering for certain things, you're like, I'm I'm confused. But um, it didn't take away from the excitement of the movie. Uh, Star Wars, I view the same. Like if you didn't see The Last Jedi, I think you could still enjoy, um, you know, uh, Rise of the Skywalker. I, I don't think you necessarily need to. But if you want to know what's going on, then yes, I do think you should watch The Last Jedi. But <laughs> if you just watch Star Wars movies to be entertained, um, I, I think you'll you'll get that. Uh, same as I would have told someone if they didn't see Force Awakens, The Last Jedi is still entertaining. Um, but but yeah, I mean the geek in me too is is telling me to tell you just watch The Last Jedi. <laughs> like, go watch it. Um, well, you know you have geeks who like they're not like certain things they like certain things they don't like. I guess my geek card needs to be taken away because I've never seen the Lord of the Rings movies. But then again. Kanan said that your geek card needs to be taken away because uh, you didn't play Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, we all have our little niches in the geekdom that maybe we're not so familiar with. But I will say that The Last Jedi and Rogue One are the only Star Wars movies that I've never seen. Oh, and Solo. So three. Three movies I haven't seen. I've seen all the others. Okay, that really makes me sad. You should definitely see Rogue One. Like, more important than Last Jedi, go see Rogue One. Beautifully done movie. Um, I but disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Say it again. I said I disagree. I do not think Rogue One is more important than The Last Jedi. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, it it all depends on Tia. Like, are you saying that because of continuity? Like, it's just Last Jedi is important yeah. to Rise of the Walker? Well, yeah, yeah that's... Exactly. And yeah, you don't well, need to watch Rogue One. Like you already know what happens after it. It doesn't matter. No, I agree. But that's why I was saying it, it depends on what T is looking for. Like if she's looking to just be entertained, it doesn't matter. But if she wants to keep up with the story, then of, of course she has to see The Last Jedi. Um, but that's why I was saying it, it just all depends on the person watching it. Like if you if you don't care, you'll still be entertained. It's still, it's still probably going to be a fun movie. Um, but same could be said for, for Rogue One. I mean, you could, uh, you know, if, if you didn't see anything before it or after it, you could still enjoy it. Um, but no, I just, it, it's a really, really, really well done movie that, um, you definitely should see. See all of them, Tia. There we go. There we go. 
see all of them. Even Solo, Solo, Rogue One, <laughs> Last Jedi. Just yeah, I mean, I think I think Star Wars is better than Rogue One. So there you go. Oh wow. Okay, well, that's that's definitely a discussion for a, 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 another day, Nick, because I, I want to hear more about that. But um, let's um, no, I I wanted to, to ask you one more thing, Nick. Um, yeah. For for this to be a a chapter closing, um, because I think a lot of people are under this um this mindset that for a chapter to close means everything has to be gone. And I think Kathleen Kennedy somewhat was, was trying to explain this, but I don't think this movie, unless they just pulled <laughs> some insane stuff and everyone dies, I don't think this will be the last time we see a few of these characters. So my question to you is, um, with this being the end of a saga, what is the likelihood we see maybe Reagan going forward or Poe or maybe even Kylo um, going forward? Or do you think this is it for all these characters that have been in this saga? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question because, I mean, obviously Daisy Ridley has had some comments about not wanting to necessarily do Star Wars movies after this one. Um, but, you know, I mean, never say never. I mean, Harrison Ford didn't want to do um, another one for ever. Um, and and wanted to basically like die um, in uh, in um, what Jedi I think um, so you know I, I I think that you need some amount of closure to the to the overall story um, but that doesn't mean that you necessarily um, it doesn't mean that anybody has to die or anybody needs to live or anything like that like. Um, I mean, obviously, we saw uh, the the end of um, the end of uh, episode three, and like, of course, they had to make it that way. But I mean, pretty much everybody, uh, every uh, character of consequence lives. Um, and at the end of episode six, like, sure, like Vader and the Emperor die, but like everybody else lives, and you know, they go on and what have you. Um, my guess would be that. Um, like if I had to guess what what would bring this chapter to a close, it would be the death of Ben Solo. I mean, right. that would be that would bring the the Skywalker saga to to its its close. Um, at least until we find out that that you know there's a Mara Jade out there with Luke's child or some shit like that. Um, yeah. But uh, but nevertheless, I mean, I think I think that's um, that that's kind of my expectation. Um, but I mean, by no means do I like. Do I think that has to happen? Um, and and even if it does happen, I think what's going to be intriguing is the how. How does it happen? Right, and I I think what I love about JJ's ability to, and maybe I shouldn't just put this on JJ, but the whole creative team, um, giving the name Force Awakens, um, and how misleading. Remember how misleading that that first trailer was when you were calling it Force Awakens, but the only person with a lightsaber was Kylo and Finn. And it was like, well, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. hold on. It was very misleading. So when you say Rise of the Skywalker, you know, naturally uh, anyone that, you know, just has a, a brain would think, um, if this is the end of a saga, the only last Skywalker is, is Kylo. Um, so who's rising? It, it's just very misleading. So it, it led me to believe that Rise of a Skywalker means there could possibly be another Skywalker out there. 
Um, or, and it's, or it could be Luke. Or it could be Luke. Um, there's just so many different angles to, to go from it, but that's why I love the name Force Awakens and Rise of, of, of Skywalker because it just could mean so many different things. Um, and, and usually it, it plays out that way. Like I was shocked to see, to actually see Force Awakens and see that um, Ray was the actual Jedi. Um, you know, and uh, not Poe, I'm sorry. Um, Finn just had it for that moment. Because um, I remember when that first trailer went out, I was on some kind of like Reddit or, or something. Everyone was like, that's Mace Windu's son. And I was like, oh, that'd be dope. That'd be super dope if Mace Windu did have a kid. Um, and then, you know, boom, turns out he's not the Jedi. So, I mean, it, it'll just be fun to see not only how they close it, but if they at all leave the door open for any of these characters to be revisited, whether it's in Ryan Johnson's trilogy or whoever, or maybe Feige's uh, Star Wars movie that he's going to be working on. It'll just be interesting to see if any of these characters um, will come back or if any of these actors <laughs> after this want to come back to play their characters. So that that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. Uh, and that's what I've enjoyed the most out of these names that we've gotten. Um, but all right, let's move on. This one, I, I was skeptic about putting this in the topics only because I just think it's it's nonsense. But reportedly Jared Leto tried to have Todd Phillips Joker movie shut down. Um David Ayer today or maybe yesterday afternoon came out and said that that's completely false. Um but the reports went as far as to say that Leto had reached out to the studio, he'd reached out to his agent um to reach out to the studio. He was going to some pretty far lengths to make sure that this Joker movie did not happen. Um, I, I will say, before I pass it to you, T, I will say, the one thing I always thought was funny when I first heard this was, I mean, he has every, no, he has every right to be upset. He doesn't have a right to try to get it shut down. That's not his decision. But he 100% has every um, right to be upset. The fact that you put me in Suicide Squad um, you know, and then I, I got watered down to all of maybe 15 minutes in that movie. Uh, and then instead of giving me another shot, you go, no, 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 we're just going to, we're going to do a solo movie about Joker, but you're not going to be the Joker. Um, I do kind of find that a little, um, not disrespectful because it's just the art of the business, but it's just, it's, you could understand how someone would be upset, but Tia, um, your thoughts on him reportedly trying to have the Joker movie shut down and if he did do any of this, can you kind of understand where he's coming from? First of all, those reports are crazy because let's say uh, – I'm going to start, first of all, with did he have a right to be upset or anything like that. I want to say no, only because his Joker lives within the – whatever the DCEU is now. Uh, he His Joker lives within – the Suicide Squad, and the Birds of Prey kind of universe there, right? It One look at, say, a Joker script would have automatically said that there was no need for his type of Joker. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker takes place in the 70s, so no way would it ever have anything to do with Jared Leto's Joker. So to me, I just don't... To me, I feel like you could have both, because... Uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is a standalone Joker in the 70s. 
whereas Jared Leto's Joker is the Joker of the modern day within this kind of uh, further world, you know, Birds of Prey, Suicide Squad, whether the DCEU is even intact anymore, anything like that. Um, so reports of this to me feels like he, if it did happen, he's just kind of digging his own grave because there could have still been, and there could still be, I have no idea, but there could have still been the possibility that he could have come back because they're not going to bring in Joaquin Phoenix's Joker if they want to bring him back in, say, The Suicide Squad or The Birds of Prey or anything that will come after that. But what are they going to do now? Are they going to continue to have a relationship with Jared Leto? Is he even going to want to come back? Or at that point, they're going to say, you know what? Then we're going to get another actor to come in and be the Joker in our world because we're always going to need a Joker. It's not going to be uh, Joaquin Phoenix's. So that's how I personally felt about it. When I first saw that, I was like, that is just not good publicity. If it is true, that's um, I don't see the reason for him to be that upset over it because unless he really just knew absolutely nothing about this Joker film and just solely was like, oh, that's disrespectful to me. But if he had known at least a little bit about it, he would have seen, okay, well, that's its own thing. It's kind of doing uh, this solo in the 70s, and it has nothing to do with my Joker. Um, but to me, I feel like now, especially the possibility of him uh, coming back is very slim. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't say uh, the first Suicide Squad movie came out while Gotham was still going on, and Gotham had a Joker. It's not like he demanded to be in Gotham or anything. So I don't know. I just, to me, I just thought it was a little arrogant on his part. But you never know if that could be true or not. Um, it could have just been all gossip, um, because especially now that David Ayer came out with his comments, but I'm not sure. To me, I just think that there would have been enough room for Joaquin Phoenix to have his own Joker and Jared Leto to possibly come back in and a different director do more with his Joker as opposed to, as you said, only giving him about 10 to 15 minutes in the movie. Well, when when the DCEU was, uh, I'd say maybe about two years ago, maybe, yeah, maybe about two years ago, um, they had came out with a huge slate of movies that they were looking to work on. One of them being Harley and Joker, like a movie just about a Harley and Joker. They scrapped it, like completely scrapped it. Um, and then, you know, obviously they, <clears throat> excuse me, then decided to do a Joker solo and then obviously a Birds of Prey. But I think, like, sure, is it arrogant? Oh, okay, I, I won't argue that. But I think where I understand him is if you're telling me you're doing a Joker movie, my question to you would be, well, why can't I get the Joker movie? Like, I get that you want to do one that's outside of the universe, but it's not my fault that I was creating, I was given this role inside the universe. Uh, I mean, you've surely shown that you don't really care about continuity all that much. Um, so, I mean, it wouldn't have been, you know, sure, would have Jared Leto, Joker, um, have been as widely... Um, appreciated as this Phoenix Joker was, maybe not, maybe not. Um, but I definitely think you could have done it. Now, 
Gotham, like television and movies are completely different. Um, albeit <laughs> there were rumors that Will Smith and Margot Robbie had had Deadshot and Harley Quinn completely axed from the CW. Uh, that rumor was out there for the longest. But um, I mean, I just look at it to where I'm like, I think Jared Leto saw the writing on on the wall. And the writing on the wall seemingly is no one's in a rush to use his Joker. Like Suicide Squad wasn't, Birds of Prey wasn't, Matt Reeves' Batman isn't. So you're running out of places to put his Joker. Um, so I think he kind of just was like, well, is anyone going to want to use me? But Nick, I'll pass it off to you. Um, any, any response to anything Tia said or just your response to Leto reportedly trying to have uh, Todd Phillips' Joker movie shut down? Yeah, I mean, I think if that's the case, there's probably more nuance and more minutia to that than we actually know. I think what you what I think basically what you were saying was, you know, we we know that there were two separate Joker spinoff things that were being tossed around. It was the Joker and Harley one, and then there was like another Joker project, um, and then uh, and then along comes this, you know. Um, solo standalone Joker project and that takes all the focus off of you know the maybe the movies that he wants to do um, and you know if Warner Brothers is basically like yeah we're going to do this one um, you know because we've got I think at the time Scorsese was attached and all this other stuff and it was just an easier it, it was an easier move because essentially it was like okay we could do this standalone movie with you know uh, uh, like a all-time great director attached in some capacity, and um, we don't have to worry about continuity and how it ties in. So I think it was a smart move for the studio, and it's obviously paying off tenfold because the movie has been wildly successful. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you're uh, Jared Leto in that position, I could understand why he's like, "What the fuck, dude? Like, come on, man! Like, you know, I." I you're you're basically sticking me on the backburn while you're you're pushing ahead with this, um, and you know I uh, you know I, I like I I want to I want to be like I took on this role to because I really wanted to explore this character you know that kind of thing, um, and now he's not going to have the opportunity to do so. However, I do think that. Um, I, I, I think it's important for us to remember too, though, uh, to, to Tia's point. Um, it's not like this started just with the them deciding to do this movie. Like it pretty much started with the movie being recut and all that kind of stuff. And then he had some very um, sort of inflammatory comments about his his parts being cut out of the movie and how he wasn't happy about it and. All, I mean, he had a lot of shit to say about that movie, and so if you're Warner Brothers, it's not like it's not like Jared Leto has has um, built up any favors with you uh, from the way he reacted uh, with with the release of Suicide Squad. So, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily fault them. Um, I can understand why he would want to push for um, uh, you know a movie that would involve his character. So that's if that's kind of the, the angle that he was coming from, I can get that. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, 
I, I think Warner Brothers inevitably made the right decision. Um, and, you know, we'll see if there's a future for Jared Leto uh, as the Joker. I doubt it. I mean, at this point, it it, it doesn't seem – it doesn't seem like that relationship is on the best of terms and because they're doing a whole new Batman um, with all these new characters, I think it would make sense at this point just to kind of cut ties. Yeah. I mean, to, to your original point, <clears throat> excuse me, we have to remember, like we have to remember when he was, uh, when he got the role as Joker, that was fresh off of his Oscar win. Um, and I remember thinking, if he's doing this, like, what are they about to do with Joker, like in the Suicide Squad movie? Um, so I can only imagine David Ayer pitched to him, like, you're going to be a pretty big part of this huge ensemble of talent, only for them right. to dwindle down to, like, 15 minutes. So, like, picture right. if you're Jared Leto, and you're like, all right, I'm going to have a huge role as Joker. People are going to see that I could, I could really do this. Um, and then you're in it for 15 minutes. And then on top of that, they scrap any other projects that they originally were going to do with your Joker. And then on top of that, they tell you they're getting someone else to be Joker in a standalone movie. Um, and then you're just sitting back and you're like, what did I do wrong? Like, what did I do? On top of all of that, like there, remember there was a big rumor that um, they were uh, – also courting Ryan Gosling, but Ryan Gosling didn't want to sign on to do more movies. The reason right. that that Jared Leto ended up getting the part was because he agreed to sign on for multiple right. films um, as that character. And so I could also see that as like a thing like, look, like, I, I mean, I was willing to sign on for multiple movies to really explore this character and take this character into like new new um, directions and, and something different that hasn't been done before. And y'all are just fucking y'all scrapped it before it even began y'all scrapped it right. in in the first movie by cutting all my scenes so yeah i mean i i can understand all of that i mean i can understand why he would be frustrated um and it's it's almost like um uh it, i would imagine just like a um a building block of frustration like one thing after the other and you know um i i i, I would gather that that could cause somebody to to um not necessarily be the happiest person. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and by by no means am I saying I blame the studio. I mean, because they get an Oscar out of this, you made the right decision. I mean, even if they don't, right. this movie makes crazy money. Um, so yeah. obviously you made the right business decision. No one's to blame. I'm just saying I get <laughs> how Cheris Leto could be upset. It is. It seemingly is very upsetting. Um, it, it does seem unfair. Um, but I mean, what Jared Leto has to understand is, if they can completely throw Henry Cavill to the air, uh, to the wind, um, they really don't care about you. I mean, that, that guy was was the one to start the universe, and he can't even get a, a sequel. Um, so I mean, you just got to look at it for I mean, it, it's business. But if you're Jared Leto, blessings come from from downfall sometimes, and you got the the Morbius role. Um, and who knows, maybe if Fox and, and, and uh, Disney, uh, no, I'm sorry, Sony and Disney, I'm sorry, can smooth things over, maybe you get a crossover and, and you get into Mahershala's Blade. So then it expands your character. So, I mean, there could be great things for Jared Leto on the horizon as far as being in these comic book type movies. But um, he definitely got the, the short end of the deal uh, playing Joker. 
Um, Patia, did you want to add anything else before we moved on? No, I feel like you guys kind of summed it all up perfectly. And as you said, I was just thinking about it. Yes, you may not have a future as Joker, but your Morbius movie's coming out, and we saw how well financially, at the very least, Venom did. So there's the possibility that if you're looking for a world to be in multiple films, that it could be this Venom universe. Yeah, yeah, very, very possibly. So, I mean, excuse me, any complaints that he had, the, the rumors uh, obviously stating it was well before the Joker movie was made. So, I mean, it's not like this is anything new or, or recent. If anything, it's making him angrier seeing how much money this movie made. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, the writing is on the wall. He's probably done as Joker. I won't say he's done with Warner Brothers. Um, but he's definitely done his joke. I just don't see Matt Reeves um, having any interest in using that Joker, if he even uses a Joker at all. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting to see where the character Joker in continuity goes um, from here on out. But, um, all right, let's move on. Speaking of Batman, the Batman cast is shaping up very nicely. Obviously, Robert Pattinson is Batman, we just got the new report of Paul, I think it's Dono, is Riddler. Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman, and Jeffrey Wright is Commissioner Gordon. Nick, I'll start with you. You were really excited about this topic, man. Um, not, how are you liking the newest cast we just got as Riddler, and how are you liking the cast so far that we got for the Batman? Uh, it's fucking excellent, and, and it's, uh, it's Dano, by the way, Paul Dano. Yeah, um, okay. But uh, but yeah, dude, I'm so fucking pumped. I mean, the the Zoe Kravitz thing is uh is really awesome. Um, I, you know, I've liked her in several different things. She was really uh a, a solid um, uh, supporting role in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, I I really liked her involvement in that movie. Um, you know, she was uh also um. Uh, she was. I, I really enjoyed her character in the Divergent series. Um, I, I think that first Divergent movie I thought was really good, and then they just totally went off the rails. Like I didn't even watch the third one, but the second one was really bad. Um, but uh, but I mean, I still I still really liked her in the first movie. Um, and uh, she's she's been in a couple other things that I've really enjoyed. Obviously, she did her, uh, some of the voiceover work. Uh, for she did Mary Jane and uh, Into the Spider Verse, and she was also involved with, uh, I believe, the Lego Batman. Um, so she's 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 up and coming, and that's kind of what all of these three younger actors are, and even to a certain extent, Jeffrey Wright, even though he's a lot more of a, of an established, um, I guess, I honestly I don't even necessarily think he's he's that much more established. He's just older. Um, but he came onto the scene a little bit later. Um, but you're dealing with like four, in my opinion, um, four Oscar caliber actors, um, who none of whom have ever been nominated for an Oscar. So you're getting like all of this like really, really good fucking talent. Um, but like before, you know, that any of them have really got the recognition that I think you could see them get um, down the line. Uh, which is just always kind of the making of a good cast. When you can recognize talent like that before um, before everybody else does, um, that's the sign of like really really good casting. 
Um, so I'm really excited about that. And as far, as far as Paul Dano, I fucking love Paul Dano. I mean, I, I, I very, very vividly like remember the first time I ever saw him in anything was The Girl Next Door. He plays Fritz in The Girl Next Door. Um, and I could not have possibly imagined that he would go on. Like, it wasn't like I was watching The Girl Next Door and being like, this dude is going to be a fucking A-lister, man. Um, had no fucking clue. Um, and, uh, and sure enough, man, he's, he's definitely been, uh, like the, the biggest, you know, actor in that movie, maybe short as Timothy Oliphant. Um, but I mean, I would, I would argue that Dano, um, you know, between, uh, what Swiss army man, uh, that was obviously a really weird movie, but it got a lot of praise. Um, I, I think, uh, just uh, as far as like a really, really solid indie movie, um, the Good Heart with he and Brian Cox is a fucking amazing movie. Um, not a lot of people have seen it. It was like really low budget. It, it um, never really got a lot of press, but I think it was really, really fucking good. Um, so, and, and then of course uh, he's excellent in There Will Be Blood. Um, just his his kind of smug righteousness in that movie. Um, he just brings it to, to that character, um, and and almost this. Um, this uh, uh like uh, what's the word uh like idealist idealistic naivety that he kind of has going on um but but underneath like uh maybe that's more on the outside but the uh, like on the inside is this like smugness so by the end of the movie um you, you know you're you're <laughs> um very much set up for for how they uh end up bringing that one to a close i'm not going to spoil anything um, but, uh, but it's, he's a fucking great actor and just like, I, I'm just kind of picturing him in this Riddler, um, role and how they can set this up, uh, especially being that it seems like they're going to, um, possibly have this kind of take place and, and see him become the Riddler, um, and, and you know, how maybe that transformation, uh, can be played out and, Obviously, we're going to get a very different, um, a different sort of vibe, a different sort of feel than a movie like Batman Forever. So it will feel like a completely different character. Um, but yeah, man, I'm so fucking excited. I think this cast is amazing uh, so far, and I just can't wait to see who rounds it out. Because I mean, even the even the names that have kind of been rumored and circling around. Um, They've all been pretty solid, so um, yeah, I, I'm just pumped. I think uh, I think this is gonna be like, um, you know, I, I don't want to like rush the gun on on just a director and a few names as, as far as a cast, um, but I, I definitely have uh, I'm definitely optimistic that this could at least kick off as well as Batman Begins did, and then it's just gonna all be where do you go from there. Um, it, it'd be really tough to make a movie that could, you know, or, or a trilogy that could rival the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, but I, I think they got the kind of people together um, that could that can make a run at it, um, and I'm really fucking excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it looks like as far as the Riddler, they're going the route that Gotham went, um, to where you literally saw the uh, the birth of the legend, um, the Riddler. 
Um, I mean, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, the only thing I've ever, well, not ever, but the only thing I remember vividly of seeing Fallen was um, Prisoners, um, which I still oh, to this day have, that too. still have no idea how Hugh Jackman was not nominated for that. I thought he did such a great performance. But anyway, um, this movie is is shaping out pretty well. The only casting that I've I've really cared about once I knew who my Batman was was Alfred. To me, Alfred is very important um, to uh, to the movie. I mean, think of the last few Alfreds we've seen. Uh, you getting Michael Caine to be your Alfred in Christian Bale's Batman was be- was beautiful. They played so well off of each other. Um, and, you know, in those movies, stress how important Alfred was to Bruce. Um, and, and I think casting a good Alfred is very important. Um, so, I mean, it'd be interesting. Someone even... Uh, made the point of saying um, Robert Pattinson just did the movie with him. Um, oh, I can't think of his name now. Um, played Green Goblin. God, I can't believe Willem he like, I can't, Willem Dafoe. They're like, Willem Dafoe would be an interesting Alfred. And I was like, it wouldn't really be my Alfred, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, the acting is there, so I wouldn't hate it, but it'd just be weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- this cast looks like it's going to be so much fun. I am curious how big of a role Catwoman plays not only in this franchise, but now is this your Catwoman when you expand the franchise? Like if right. you do decide to do um, Gotham City Sirens, is this now your Catwoman? Because I can tell you now, you have a lot of people upset <laughs> if you recast, well not recast, but cast another Catwoman because a lot of people would say, uh, Margot Robbie, Zoe Kravitz, that's a really good start to a movie. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it'll just be really interesting to see, because uh, Matt Reeves has expressed he has no interest in, universe, not a universe building, but, like, the continuity outside of his Batman movies. He's like, that. I'll leave right. it open for them to do whatever. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Warner Brothers is smart enough to pick up. But I think it'll all depend on what um, Birds of Prey does. Um, well... And I, I also think, uh, you know, let's not forget that, um, you know, along with the, the, the script development for this movie and everything else, we know how long that took. But they went through – Warner Brothers went through many different um, sort of transfer, transformations and iterations of various characters, and it certainly seems like the characters that they are utilizing outside of this movie won't necessarily have any involvement within – um, this this movie or or this trilogy or whatever it ends up being, um, which leaves that door open. You know, there was, uh, you know, it was obviously rumored that there was going to be a Gotham City Sirens, and then, um, you know, that that switched to Birds of Prey, and then, um, you know, obviously Margot was attached to both. Um, but I mean, I think that's important to keep in mind that I think Warner Brothers is trying to work with Reeves uh, as far as letting him make his story, um, but making sure that that story can tie into their greater story, um, you know, at some point in time. So, Well, I mean, I, I think it's the same thing that we've been hearing Feige say, uh, say that he wants to do. Like, he wants to bring a director in, make your movie, allow me to be what connects everything. You don't necessarily right. have to worry about that. Let me do that. And I think the first time we saw that was with Black Panther. Like, if you didn't see any other Marvel movie, you wouldn't have known it connected till the end credit scene. 
um, that very much was its own movie that then integrated into uh, the MCU. So I, I think more more people should do superhero movies like that. Make your movie and allow whoever is overseeing everything to be what connects it, whether that's an end credit right. scene, dialogue. Um, it's just a smart formula. Um, and, and Kevin Feige is, is stated that's what he wants to do going forward. Um, and, you know, just better late than never, right? Um, Tia, yeah. how are you, uh, Tia, how are you liking this cast so far? Um, you know, we now know who our Riddler is, who our Catwoman is, and who our Commissioner Gordon is. Even though Jeffrey Wright, I feel like that wasn't, because uh, I feel like another name was attached to, uh, like another character was being reported the same time as his, but no one actually came out and confirmed it. Like, if you follow Matt Reeves on Twitter, he came out, made like a, a, a funny tweet for, for Zoe Kravitz, made a funny tweet, I think, for Paul and for Robert, but he never did one for Jeffrey Wright. So I'm like, I don't know if there was still in negotiations or what was going on with that, but um, how are you liking this pass so far, Thea? Well, first of all, um, let me say, I did not expect Paul Dano to even be cast as the Riddler just because I didn't even know that that was a name that was being thrown in. And I kind of didn't even know who the actor was until I looked it up and I was like, oh shit, this is the guy who played the crazy dude in Prisoners. And as you said, John, that was such a good freaking film. So after realizing that this is the guy who they got to play the Riddler, it's going to be really interesting to see him at work. That was a fantastic role. And it's clear that he can really get into certain parts and just bring like this intensity to it. So uh, this cast is shaping up so well. Like this Matt Reeves Batman universe, if it's successful, is gonna rival like the Dark Knight trilogy because I love Zoe Kravitz. Um, she was fantastic in Big Little Lies. That's probably what I know her best from, and I just think that she's gorgeous and can have the sort of presence that is needed for, say, a Catwoman. And I, of course, love Jeffrey Wright from Westworld, who was in this movie OG. That was really good and just a slew of other things. But you are right. He is essentially up and coming himself despite being older than the rest of the cast. But so far, really solid, solid cast. I think that it's really awesome that Matt Reeves seems to, you know, maybe be taking his time and really considering all of the actors to bring in because he knows that he has to know that eyes are all on him. Everyone's talking about this. Everyone's buzzing about it. So you have to put together a fantastic cast. And the fact that he has all of these really talented individuals agreeing to come aboard is just really cool in on itself. And this is coming from someone who, Five years ago, if you would have told me that Robert Pattinson had been cast as Batman, I would have kind of laughed it out of the room. But I'm really excited to see what he does as Bruce Wayne and as Batman. And let's just talk about the fact that Robert Pattinson's Batman paired with um, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. That's going to be a good look there. I'm I'm excited. I'm really liking this cast so far. And it's almost now that we know, like, some of the casting. I'm, like, excited. Okay, this week, what do we got going on? Who's next? Like, I, I need more. Just keep throwing names out at me because uh, so far, Matt Reeves have sh- has shown us that he really 
kind of knows what he's doing when it comes to this casting. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the biggest thing I'm looking forward to with, with Matt Reeves is getting Batman back to the mythos. Um, I, I think Nolan went away from it. I, I think the very small amounts of Ben's Batman uh, wasn't consistent enough with it. Um, I, I just, I, I want gargoyle Batman. Like, I want the Batman that when it's thundering out, you see a shadow, and then when the thunder strikes, he's gone. Like, I want the mythos of Batman. And I think Matt Reeves is looking to give us that aesthetic. Um, so if I can get more of a comic book world with these villains, with a more... And from Robert Pattinson's quote, um, where he's, he's saying... Uh, he doesn't view Batman as like um, as like a hero, um, and he loves characters that are a bit divided. It gives them more to work with. Um, I like that he's that he sees that because I don't want you to give me something that's just not Batman. I want you to give me something that is very very close to the Batman that is not only a great detective, um, but is a balance of where Christian Bale's Batman was willing to go. And where Ben's Batman was willing to go. I need a healthy balance of that. Um, so, I mean, Matt, like you said, Tia, a lot, a lot of pressure is on Matt Reeves purely because people are just tired of how long we had to sit through just wondering uh, what was going to happen with the Batman character. But now that we're here, you can't, <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't have us wait as long as we've waited and then it not be good. Um, so, I mean, it's been really good to see how great these castings have been so far. It's been great to hear some of the characters he wanted to use um, and, you know, just where he's going with this movie. But before we leave the Batman, I did want to say we did get a report Jonah Hill is officially out of the running, obviously, of both Riddler and of Penguin. And we report Warner Brothers was at some point interested in Seth Rogen as the penguin. I, I'm glad they did not. Um, uh, but it is interesting to know where their headspace was for casting the penguin. Go ahead, Tia. Did you hear that um, the reason why Jonah Hill had walked away from negotiations is because he originally wanted to play Riddler more, but they, they wanted him, him more for penguin? I had heard some sort of report like that. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so funny funny thing is that me and Joel were having this conversation um, last week, and we were saying the only reason everyone kept saying Jonah Hill would be perfect for Penguin is because Penguin is fat, and Jonah Hill has a history of being fat. Like, because you can't tell me, oh, no, I thought he could do Penguin because he's a good actor. Well, if he's a good actor, he could do Riddler also. Um, so essentially the aesthetic is the only reason why um, people were clamoring for him to be Penguin, but I could see him, I could see that exact reason being why he did not want to be Penguin. Um, I mean, there was also rumors that money was an issue. He was willing to be the most paid um, out of the current um, cast so far, like more than Batman's being paid. Um, so, I mean, there were a lot of different factors, but I mean, at the end of the day, excuse me, um, I mean, if, if it was something that he did not want to do, and that's all you wanted him to do, because there, there was also reports that um, Matt Reeves had never really wanted him to be Riddler. Like, that was never really in his, in his plans. It was Penguin. 
Um, and that was where the, the disagreement came. But, I mean, I don't know. If he didn't want to be Penguin, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I don't think you should feed into the stereotype um, that it seemed like people were putting on you. Um, but, Nick, um, I am curious. Uh, any thoughts you have towards any of those those reports of Jonah Hill obviously stepping down completely? Uh, Seth Rogen being a name that was being looked at for Penguin. Your thoughts? I love that, like, Jason Alexander came out and was like, I'll be your penguin. <laughs> it's like, yes. Way to go, Jason Alexander. Um, yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Obviously, tongue-in-cheek. But, uh, um, no, I mean, see, I, 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 I think, yes, I, I would agree that uh, aesthetics have a lot to do with, uh, with why a lot of people – um, would would picture Jonah Hill more as Penguin? Um, I, I, you know, obviously he's got a a, a history of um, being bigger, uh, especially in his earlier acting years. Um, he, he's lost a lot of weight; his weight fluctuates a lot. Um, but he's also five seven, so he's like he's short, and Penguin is short. Now, I, I don't I don't necessarily think there's anything. Um, decisive about you know the the riddler's height um but i mean he's usually portrayed more as like a taller skinny type um which paul dano fits that bill he's like 5'11 six foot um and and really skinny um so i mean i just think aesthetically um that makes more sense um but i could understand if jonah hill was like i really like if he's read the script and he's like man i really like this fucking riddler role like that's what I want to play, um, you know. And it, if they wanted to go with Paul Dano, because um, that was like fit more in their minds of of what they wanted, um, you know. And and then we're like, but man, we would really like to have you for this role. Um, if he if he really enjoyed the script, if he really was um, about the movie, um, he he probably would have taken that role. I mean, there's tons of uh, there's there's tons of times when you know, various actors um, had, had been up for various roles and then it goes to somebody else and then they, they pick a different role in the same movie because they want to go with it. I think um, I want to say uh, that uh, that happened in The Godfather. Like I want to say James Caan at some point was um, was supposed to be someone other than Sonny, maybe even Michael and then got moved to Sonny because Coppola didn't necessarily see him as Michael, but he liked him as Sonny. So he was made uh, Sonny, and then eventually um, uh, uh, Al Pacino won the role of, of Michael. Um, so, like, you know, it's not necessarily uncommon. Um, well, but, Tom Hiddleston uh, tried out for Thor originally, and then so. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, I mean, it happens all the time, but, uh, but Hey, I got no problem with him passing on the role. I mean, it just means we got to find somebody else. Um, but I do think he would have been really, really good for it. I would have, I would have been really excited to see him, uh, in that role. So, um, it is unfortunate that, uh, that, you know, for whatever reason that they couldn't come to an agreement, but, um, but yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, I, I've got nothing but, um, you know, positive affirmation to this point that they, are going to find somebody who I'm going to be really excited about. So, yeah, my casting still sits at. Um, uh, I, I'm telling you, I'm going. So James Spader 
and um, <clears throat> the guy from um, Ray Donovan, I think it's Eddie Marzen. Um, th those are my two um, picks for the Penguin because I think they both could, could pull it off. If you watch Blacklist, you understand why I think James Spader could do the Penguin. If you actually, if you watch Ray Donovan, I think you would have an idea on why I think Eddie could do the Penguin. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you guys. At this point, it's like no need to question any casting choices. They've been great so far. So let's just continue to ride that wave. Um, but all right, let's move on. Um, Yahya Abdul-Mateen confirms the return of Black Manta for Aquaman 2 and that the film should arrive in 2022. We also heard from Jason Momoa, who said he gave a really great pitch to Warner Brothers for the sequel, and they loved it. And okay. Um, I, I don't know what to say to that, um, but, but yeah, I'm going to go to you first. Um, the news of, of this sequel is not shocking, okay? So obviously I'm not going to ask you what are your thoughts about there being a sequel. I want to ask you more specifically, are you excited for a sequel? Did you truly enjoy that first one enough to be excited to see what they do with a, a follow-up? Yeah, I really enjoyed Aquaman. I think that I would be interested to go see a sequel, especially since, um, you know, the whole thing with Black Manta felt very thrown in in the first Aquaman. As much as I liked Aquaman, it certainly is not without its fault. So now that you're kind of saying that maybe, I mean, I don't know what the pitch was, but I'm assuming that maybe there's going to be more of a focus on Black Manta in the second one. So that is what is, you know, intriguing me that now that we have the whole thing with Orm kind of set aside, that we can focus now on this other character, especially with Yaya. So I'm excited for a second Aquaman. I mean, we knew that it was coming. Um, it is going to be interesting. You said 2022, is that it? Yeah. I mean, that's four years um, in between. So that is certainly a long time in between sequels, especially when considering the DCEU isn't really necessarily a thing anymore. So it'll be interesting to see how Aquaman 2 does in the box office considering the first one was back in 2018. But other than that, I am interested to see what James Wan does with a sequel and what direction they go with and maybe even what the tonal shift is. Um, so I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. I liked the first one. Um, didn't think it was necessarily the best movie ever, but, you know, you live and learn. Maybe the sequel will be like a million times better. You can only hope. You can only hope. Um, I love the first one. I, I, I do. I think visually it is the best DC movie, um, hands down, visually. That suit was off. Oh, I'm just I'm getting lightheaded <laughs> thinking about it now. Uh, it was just it was very well done. Orm's suit was very well done. Um, Black Manta's. I I told you all this. I don't know why so many people love making villains so bulky. Like they just they're not really drawn like that in comics. <laughs> they're just not. So if you give them like these huge shoulders or like I I've always hated it. So hopefully they could slim that suit down more make it a bit more realistic. Um, and that helmet was way too big. But anyway, I'm sorry, Nick. Um, how do you feel about a sequel? Because I remember you you weren't that high on, on 
Yaya's performance, um, but right. I can't remember how high you were on the movie itself. But um, how oh, excited are you for, for the follow-up? Yeah, I love the movie. Um, like y'all said, I mean, it's not like it's not with what they would call a piece of cinema, um, but it, it was really <laughs> fucking enjoyable. Like, it was really fun to go sit down in a movie theater and watch that. Um, when he rides the motherfucking seahorse, bro, like, I just got, I was just like, yes, fucking ride that fucking seahorse, Jason Momoa. Um, it was so fucking dope. It was just, it was really out there, and they weren't afraid to make it, like, over the top, um, you know, when it was warranted, and I thought it was good. I did think uh, uh, Mateen's acting performance was too over the top. Like it was, it was too, um, too uh, '90s bad guy in a schlocky action movie type deal for me. Um, so I, I hope that they can like dial that back down a little bit. I'm excited to see um, if this comes out in 2022. I wonder where that puts it next to the new Matrix movie that's going to come out because. Obviously, he got um, awarded a pretty big role in that. So I, I would like to see him in some some other stuff too to get a broader picture of him as an actor. Because I don't, you know, I don't think it's necessarily fair to judge an actor on on just one performance that you've seen. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would that would be my biggest thing, especially if he's going to be the main focus, is to kind of maybe dial it back a little bit as far as the the over the top nature of his villain. Um, and, and, you know, I think you got a lot to work with there because obviously, um, you know, he, he feels, um, and, and, and in a large part, rightly so, um, that, you know, Aquaman killed his father. Um, and you know, that's, that's always, you know, a, a plot of revenge is, is always good. Um, it, it, it's easily explainable and you can delve into a lot of other things. Uh, as far as these these characters' interactions and and what they mean, uh, Jawan, refresh my memory. Did, did I don't think he did. Did um did uh, Aquaman ever find out that it was um that it it, it was the same guy it, that it was Black Manta that um was behind that mask? I don't remember if he had announced it or I don't. Well, think yeah. So. He did. Um, he did. When they were fighting in wherever, wherever place they were, France or somewhere, wherever they were. Um, Italy, I, Italy, but yeah. Italy, I'm sorry. I, I think he made it clear that it was about revenge, that he had killed his father. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, oh, okay. but I, I do believe dialogue is how Aquaman found out who he really was. Gotcha. Okay. So he does. So he is aware then, because um, I, I, you know, I'm thinking about how they can further explore. Um, you know that relationship and any sort of reveals and anything like that. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, I I think they they obviously have the sequel set up. Um, you know, um, to 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 explore. Um, and and also just you know the the relationship um, between uh, Black Manta and um, the uh, I forget the actor um, who played him, but the. The, the conspiracy theorist guy from the first movie who, you know, obviously is with him at the end of the first movie. Um, you know, that that's another character that they have to explore. So um, that could be an interesting um, an interesting team up, uh, if you will. Um, so, I mean, they've got all they've got it all set up. So I, I am I am interested to 
know like I would have loved to have seen Jason Momoa's pitch and like could you even imagine that the Warner Bros execs like if Jason Momoa is like hey man I need a meeting I want to come in and pitch my idea for a sequel and everybody's like all right uh, okay sounds good um like could you imagine like even if he gave like the worst pitch ever like would you expect any of the Warner Bros. execs to be like, dude, that was fucking terrible, dude? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> yeah, I, not I'm, more curious, I'm more curious on what that room looked like when he left, like when his car pulled away. Right, yes. And they were like, is he gone? And they were like, yeah, he's gone. It was like, that was terrible. We can't fund this. <laughs> that was so bad. We got to get it. We well, got to get out. Let's get back to 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give ourselves enough time to completely tank the DCEU so we can just get rid of it all. And we don't even have to right. make it. Um, yeah, no, I'm completely with you, Nick. Family Guy should definitely do a skit about that. That'd be hilarious. Um, yeah. But no, I, I, to me, I agree with you. Um, I, I do agree with you. But I have a very interesting take. I do think um, Yaya is a very good actor. Um, I think, Nick, uh, you should definitely watch Watchmen tonight. Uh it, it airs tonight. I don't know if he's in the first episode, um, but if he's playing who I think he's playing, he's going to be a very pivotal role in in this series. Um, I actually That's don't. Right. You think he's Doctor Manhattan, don't you? Yes, yes, sir. Um, <laughs> I um I actually don't think Black Manta should be the main focus of the sequel. Um, I believe the end credit. I think and again this is not me saying like i heard it or anything this is just my thoughts i thought that in credit scene was supposed to match justice league like i thought there was supposed to be a string of movies that ended with a big bad kind of you know wanting revenge but the idea of it is they're secretly creating a team of villains i think that's obviously uh. been stretched um, so I don't think that that necessarily was pointing that he would be the main villain, um, more so is that they just have plans to, to use that character again soon going forward. Um, so right. that was my mindset. My mindset was never he was going to be the, the face of the villain um, in the sequel. Um, so, I mean, I, I also didn't like James Wan's fundamental change of Black Manta. If I remember correctly, he was Atlantean. Um, he was not human. Um, so the fact that you took that out, it's like he can't even like fight for the, you know, the crown or challenge for the crown or anything because he's a complete human. Um, so, I mean, I just thought that was just a weird fundamental change. But I'm not that familiar with Aquaman's villains, but I can tell you I have no interest in Black Manta being the main villain. Because um, if that's what you wanted to do, you would have had him suit up at the end and then have us have that big fight for the second movie instead of showing us what a fight between them looks like only to then say, well, you're going to get more from that. I don't really need more of it. Um, smaller doses I'm okay with, but um, that's just my opinion. But I am really excited to see what they do with this movie going forward and how much longer they will continue to make these movies in a universe that they very clearly have no, uh, no interest in continuing. So That'll be very interesting. Um, but all right, let's move on to some more DC news. This one is is giving me a headache, and I haven't even said it yet. Um, Dwayne Johnson, in a response to, I believe it was some fan art, right, Tia? He was responding to someone's fan art or something. Um, is saying that the production on the long-awaited Black Adam movie begins in July 
2020. Um, I, I think we all expressed this before, but I don't believe anything The Rock has to say regarding this movie till I see them start shooting. And even then, I'm going to get a little skeptic. But once they start shooting, I can go, movie's happening. I've seen them in the suit. I'm excited. Um, but, Nick, I'll go to you first. <clears throat> I guess your excitement on how soon we will start to see um, – the Rock is Black Adam. I don't care. <laughs> That's all I to hear. I just, I just don't, man. Like, I mean, I would probably care a little bit if it was going to be – because I did enjoy Shazam. So, like, if it was going to be, like, he's going to be in the next Shazam movie, like, I'd probably be a little more interested. Um, but, like, I mean, it's just been – it's been so long. Like this, you know, like, and and I'm like you, like, I'll believe it when I see it. Notice he said expected to start in July of 2020. Now we, oh, we're starting. We're starting July 2020. No, 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 We're expected to start July 2020. Um, So, yeah, again, like, I'll believe it when I see it. And, like, I'm sure I'll get, you know, if this movie ever does get off the ground, you know, I'll start getting hyped about it, you know, when, when we see a trailer or something like that. Um, but like, I just, I can't, I can't devote any hype to it outside of that. <laughs> I will say this. so I don't sound too faith later. If any of the rumors are true and Hawkman and Hawk girl are, um, in this movie and possibly taking on black Adam, I am extremely hyped for this movie. My only issue is I don't believe him <laughs> that this movie will start shooting that soon. Um, but I mean, to be fair, Nick, we do know how crazy busy this man is. So maybe he was kind of like, hey, if y'all don't film it next year, I ain't doing this movie. Like, right. I'm way too busy. Um, so maybe there's some credence there. Um, but I mean, it, it's just one of those things where it's like he even said in the post, Nick, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, you know, He's been connected to this character for so long. And I'm like, that's not a good thing. Like, no one's excited that you've been attached to this character for 10 plus years. And we're just now <laughs> talking about you starting to shoot. Like, no one's excited about the idea of that. Um, I just find it very annoying, Nick. It's just, it's so annoying, man. Um, but uh, Tia, what are your thoughts? Do you believe him? Or, or do you kind of think something's going to happen that will derail this from, from filming next year? <laughs> Listen, you can't even rely on trailers because we had a trailers for New Mutants like two years ago, and that's just never coming out. So even if they film, even if there's trailers, who the hell knows what's happening with this movie? I Every time we do a Geek Vibes Live and I see that Black Adam is on the roster of topics to talk about, I'm like, okay. I just, I, you know, Channing Tatum was uh, attached to Gambit for years, and that's dead in the water. Something is going to happen, and I just, I have very little faith that this will ever be a movie that's made. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, he's very busy, so maybe he did kind of tell Warner Brothers, like, hey, if you ever want this, this movie to be made, it has to be, like, now. Because um, we know he just did Jungle Cruise, so whenever that comes out, he has to do press for that. So, I mean, maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. But all I can say is he has literally been the most infuriating individual 
when it comes to this comic book world. Because again, if The Rock was not Black Adam, Black Adam would have been in Shazam. The only reason Black Adam is not in Shazam is because The Rock is Black Adam and demands his own solo that no one on this planet asked for. So it better be good. Better be worth it. Ten plus years you made us wait, and you weren't in Shazam, and you're not going to be in Shazam too. Better be worth it. But all right, let's move yeah, on. And, like, um, and furthermore, oh, just drop it and go join the fucking MCU, dude. Like I'm sure they'll have you. <laughs> Gladly. Gladly. A Fantastic Four movie, like really soon. They could use a really good Ben Grimm. Just saying. Absolutely. That's the same thing I was telling Joel about Henry Cavill. Like I'm like, Warner Brothers is playing around with Cavill. Like he won't just go over to Marvel and be like, all right, what you got? What you got for me, Doctor Doom? What you got? I'll take it. Um, so I'm like, oh, I don't know y'all, how you y'all really want to do it. <clears throat> y'all really want to do a Captain Britain? All right, cool. Uh, yeah, know, yeah. Like, happens. I'm British. <laughs> yeah, like come on, I'll do it. I got it. Yeah, call me. I'm like, it's just it's confusing how Warner Brothers is playing <laughs> is playing with these actors. Like, there's not a whole another successful superhero franchise literally on the other side um, right. that would be more than happy to take these actors. Um, but all right, let's move on. Speaking of Marvel, apparently Kevin Feige will now be the chief creative officer for all Marvel properties. That is animation. That is TV shows. That is uh, obviously the live action movies. This news excites me, but then it doesn't. Because I think, damn, it was just a year and some change too late. Because if he had been a part of that whole Daredevil, Punisher, Iron Fist, Luke Cage days, we maybe could have had those characters in Endgame. We maybe could have had that. Um, so I'm like, I mean, he's, he's there now. So, I mean, we know going forward, if those characters are ever reintroduced, they'll be a part of the MCU. But, Nick, how huge is this, even though we all really suspect Kevin Feige's always been behind the scenes in some capacity than more than just the live action movies. Well, I mean, I think uh, it, it's not necessarily surprising, right? Like we kind of all figured this was coming when, um, you know, when, when it became obvious that all of these, um, uh, I guess, MCU um, uh, streaming shows we're, we're going to be directly connected, or, or the majority of them, uh, aside from the what if, uh, is going to be – and even those, I think, are going to be loosely connected. But all of it's connected to the MCU. Um, I mean it just makes sense. It makes sense for him to kind of oversee um, all of those aspects um, sort of you know, in its entirety. Um, so, I mean, I think this obviously means that um, you know, anything that's in that, in that realm um, – you know, is is going to fall under uh, under his watch as it should, um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would just, I I just wonder what Kevin Feige's net worth was before 2008 and what it is now, because um, that man better be getting stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks, because he has made Disney so much fucking money. Like, I hope he's getting a, a, a large chunk of that. Well, I mean, you would have to imagine. I mean, and now the idea of them saying like, hey, remember how Sony said, you know, you're too busy, Foggy? He's like, yeah, like I'm super busy making the MCU go for it. Cool. But we need you to do the same with like the cartoons and the TV shows. And on top of that, did you maybe squeeze in like a Star Wars movie or three? So, I mean, if I'm Kevin Feige, there's no way that like right after Bob Iger, I'm not the second richest person in, in, in Disney. 
Like, <laughs> there's just, there's, there's no way. There's no way. Maybe even, I maybe even might want. Bob Iger money but yeah he's he's definitely not hurting not hurting his kids 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 will be completely fine um but uh but yeah I mean th- this is like I said this is it'll just be interesting to see if all tv shows that we heard were maybe going to be Hulu are now going to be Disney plus exclusives um you know now that he's at the helm of everything uh and Nick I want to throw this in remember when we discussed or maybe I didn't discuss it with you but um when they pulled Gabriel Luna's um, Ghost Rider, maybe that wasn't, uh, maybe that was Kevin Feige's idea. Like, no, 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 no. Don't put him on Hulu. I got plans for Ghost Rider. I'll maybe bring yeah. him into uh, Disney Plus, or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give him a live action move. So now that is more interesting than it was before when he got asked. Because it was like, wait, right. what? Why? So, I mean, maybe that clarifies things a little bit. So, you know. Sure. Great news. Very great news. Um, Tia, your thoughts on Kevin Feige now being given the power he should have been given after the first 10 Marvel movies were billion-dollar successes in the box office? I mean, all we have to say is all hail the king. Um, As soon as that happened, I was like, Kevin Feige is just – he's so powerful. And now that he's essentially in control – of like everything, holy shit. It's exciting though to know that like everything is finally like under him. It makes sense. Let he clearly has this amazing vision of where he wants things to go. And it just makes sense to give him everything. So I'm excited about it. Um, it makes me laugh what you guys are just saying. Like he, he has to be making a shit ton of money. Like holy crap. Um, they just gave him the keys to the freaking castle. But my one question is, now that he is in the position that he's in, what happens to someone like, say, Jeff Loeb? Is he still in the mix and everything? Or is it kind of like now he's going to be pushed away because Kevin's in charge? Well, first of all, Jeff Loeb should have never been in that position. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah, I mean uh, – if I'm Kevin Feige, I, I don't, I don't really need you. I got it. I mean, now what Jeff Loeb is doing still within um, uh, Disney is, you know, is up for for question. But I don't think if you're Kevin Feige, you want him anywhere near. It's like I, I just took over your job. Like, I don't need well, you. I don't need you. Think- he, well, he does need a good that... assistant to the regional manager, though. Like, he, he's, he's yeah. got to have one. <laughs> he needs a Dwight. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't treat him as bad as uh as Michael tend to, to treat Dwight. Um but no, I mean um no, I mean I, I think Jeff Loeb has done uh an okay job in, in the position that he was in. Um I just don't think if you're Feige you need him any further. Um I'm not one oh. to, to go ahead, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, I just wanted to the Netflix shows are dead, but you have the upcoming Hulu shows, and you still have shows like um, aren't the Runaways and Cloak and Dagger still a thing? So now yeah, but for now yeah, yeah, right, very true, very true. There, there was actually a rumor I heard maybe last week that this could be Runaways last season, um, and that's not shocking. 
That, that's really not shocking yeah. at all for two reasons. One, because I, I did feel like last season they were running out of ideas. Um, so there's only but so much they could do for this season. I mean, they already had to, to pull in Cloak and Dagger just to keep the interest. So I'm like, I, I didn't really see what you could do going forward. Um, but it also could mean that maybe Feige would like to bring them into the um, Disney Plus. So, I mean, the idea of Hulu shows, we should start to weed out. I don't think you'll be seeing many uh, Marvel shows on Hulu um, now that Kevin Feige's in this position. I think you'll see more shows kind of come back uh, to Disney Plus or, or come Which to Disney Hulu Plus. Must, what Which Hulu the, might not be that? happy about because, you know, they had a deal to bring Marvel shit into their uh, realm. So that they cannot well, Hulu be happy is, about this. Hulu is Disney now. So I mean, essentially, it's just nothing you really do about. It. I mean, it's 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 upstairs. It's your boss. So I mean, your boss is like, hey, I, I don't want it there. It, it doesn't want it there. Uh, but I'm sorry, Nick. Thought, you, you were saying something? Yeah, I was gonna say I thought that Hulu was gonna kind of be the workaround for their more adult stuff. So like, if they were going to do, I think what they they said they might be working on like a Hellstrom series. Like right. if that was going to be a little more graphic than it would be on Hulu instead of, um, it, you know, but the, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously that was all just rumor speculation. Um, well, no, they actually but, I mean, started think... casting for Hellstrom. They, they, they okay. started casting. Yeah. So it's still happening. I just, in my mind, again, this is in my head. I believe anything that's on Hulu, that's a Marvel property is something that's just not a part of the MCU continuity. So that's why right. they separate. That, I like would right. Yeah. Well, and I I would say that may be why there's a maybe a push to to um have those come to a close uh, and then especially if you're going to put um, Hellstrom on there, then you know or you know any sort of other property for that matter, then you would absolutely you would. want to have you know essentially you. You wouldn't want to have those be conflated with shows that don't tie in. Um, so, you know, maybe that's maybe that's where they're going. But time will tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I, I agree. Yeah, sorry, I agree. I was going to say something, but no, I completely agree with where you were coming from. Um, it just seems like they just want it to be edgy. That's why I said Deadpool should maybe be a series, not a movie. Um, so you kind of just eliminate yourself from having to figure out how are we going to work it? How are we going to work it to where people don't see the MCU logo and go, can I take my kid to see it? Just give him his own series. I mean, I, I don't think that's a step down at all. I mean, you just saw Disney Plus as series from, from a bunch of um, big-name actors. So why can't Ryan Reynolds get it? Um, but all right, let's, uh, let's move on. Um, a third Ant-Man film is being developed um, by Pym Particles Productions. Um, and is looking to begin filming in summer of 2021. Um, this is, if true, very interesting, because Paul Rudd did not sound confident about a third Ant-Man actually happening. Um, so, I mean, he could have just been joking, but it really seemed like he was not sure. Um, Nick, because I know you've enjoyed the first two. I think you've enjoyed the first more than a lot of people in, in Geek Vibes. Um, but how are you that it's it's seemingly being confirmed that it it is getting its third movie to round out uh, its trilogy? Oh, I'm not surprised. I I fully expected it to. I mean, that's kind of been the blueprint um, 
for the MCU. Um, now, of course, uh, Thor is kind of the first one to kind of break that by having a fourth movie. Um, but I just think that the powers that be and everybody just being so interested in doing it, you know, kind of made it where they were like, yeah, let's do it. You know, everybody wants to do it, so let's do it. Um, but it, it seems like most of these movies at least get their third movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. Uh, I think there's a, a a lot of interesting places where you can take this. Obviously, Cassie's now um, uh, an adult, a young adult. Um, and so, you know, there's, you know, that's certainly interesting. And um, possibly it'll be interesting to see if it takes place after, like directly after uh, um, Iron Man snap or if it's a few years into the future and how they handle all of that. Um but yeah, I mean, I love Paul Rudd. I love the first Ant Man. The second one was okay. I mean, it was good. Um, it was just it was it was a tall test to beat the first one. The first one was just so good. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. Um, I, uh, I I just love Paul Rudd. Did you see his uh, his interview on Hot Ones? Did either one of y'all no. see that? I didn't get to that oh, yet. Dude. No, but I want to see it because Idris Elba was, was so hilarious. Funny. Yeah, his was good. Shia LaBeouf's was good, but um, uh, basically, uh, he, he asked him what he thought about uh, Sean Evans, the the um, the guy who conducts the interviews. He asked him, uh, asked Paul Rudd what he thought about the uh, the um, uh, him shrinking and and climbing up Thanos' butt memes and and like what he thought about them. And he said, "I look at it as a missed opportunity." <laughs> so I mean, I I love like. Uh, and, and just the whole interview in and of itself was great. Like Paul Rudd just seems like a genuinely like awesome person to like be around. Um, so yeah, give me as much Paul Rudd uh, as you know uh, the MCU can possibly uh, uh, figure out, and I will definitely be happy. Absolutely, especially if they could work their way into giving his daughter her own series, um, where maybe he's mentoring her and she's becoming the new um, face of that Ant Man family. Um, I think that would be great, you know, kind of like a Hawkeye yeah. thing where you see more of the older Avengers kind of slowly fade out and the newer Avengers kind of come to the forefront. That would be great. Um, but all right, let's move on. Let me see what else we got here. All right, Nick, I put this on specifically for us because I swear to you, Nick, no one appreciated that first movie more than me and you. Doug Lyman says the sequel script for Edge of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat is finished and that they hope to get moving on it once Tom Cruise finishes filming both upcoming Mission Impossible films. As much as I love Edge of Tomorrow, those Mission Impossible movies are way more uh, important. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I am so sorry. <laughs> My doorbell rang, and I swear I thought I went to you. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's go back. Um, your excitement, Tia, for Ant-Man 3. I am so sorry. <laughs> No, it's okay. I was like, well, you know, all right, we're moving on. It's a little time <laughs> and everything. It's fine. I thought maybe you would just, I thought maybe you had to dip out or something. I was like, all right, that's interesting. I guess he has left us. No, I'm, I'm so sorry. Cause like, I, I set these shows up to do it at a time to where it's like, on a Sunday, no one's coming to ring my doorbell. And it seems like every time, no matter what time, someone rings my doorbell. And it disorientates me. I was just like... That, I completely that is, forgot. That is know. the loudest fucking doorbell I've ever heard. It really life. was so, so loud. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I about that. At that point, I was like, Jesus. 
I am so sorry, but uh, but yeah, I'm sorry. You're the best one. Like I literally, I was like, I was like, what is he? Is he broadcasting this show in like town hall or something? Like the big fucking clock, you know, just went off. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yes, I I'm very excited. I really liked the first Ant Man. I would still consider it to be in my top five MCU movies. I think Paul Rudd is yeah. hilarious. Um. And I, I liked Ant-Man and the Wasp. Did I like it as much as I liked the first one? No. But maybe with uh, time and the consideration of maybe what worked and what didn't work with Ant-Man and the Wasp and revisiting then, you know, what worked with the first one, they'll be able to construct it better for a third movie. I think that Paul Rudd deserves a third movie. And, um, you know, the Wasp deserves a third movie. So to me... And as you guys said, it's, it's usually the formula that we have trilogies or is the exception, but I think that it would have been a shame if we didn't have a third Ant-Man movie. And I just want to see more Paul Rudd in the MCU just because I think that his uh, you know, story within the MCU isn't finished. I have to say really quickly, I don't know if either of you guys watched Living With Yourself. It's a new uh, Netflix show with Paul Rudd, and I have to say that only Paul Rudd could pull off that show. So it, it just made, like, I was watching it, and it made me even more excited to see more of him. And so the fact that we're talking about, say, a third Ant-Man movie, like him dealing with all of the uh, after effects of Endgame, it's going to be interesting because, you know, uh, Scott Lang is so happy-go-lucky for the most part, but this is a really serious thing that he had to deal with. So how does that affect him in a third movie? And obviously with his daughter, we could explore him losing five years of her life and her grown up and everything. I'm excited for it. I am happy that they finally made the announcement to say, hey, this is coming when it seems like a lot of people kind of just accepted the fact that maybe this wasn't going to actually be a thing. Yeah, and I do hope that they are brave enough um, to just close this out with Masters of Evil. Um, that That is the best way to go for an Ant-Man 3 movie, um, especially since you miss an opportunity of making Goliath a possible villain um, for the third film. So since you didn't go that route, I definitely think you should go the route, <clears throat> excuse me, of going Masters of Evil. Like, it, it's it's time. Do Masters of Evil. And Ant-Man is the best character to do that with. Um, but yeah, again, I'm so sorry, Tia. I had to disconnect that bell. Um, all right. No, um, no problem. But, um. We all know that you hate women. It's okay. No, no, no. It, it, it's, it's very true. It's very true. Um, but no. Uh, so again, Doug Lyman says that the sequel script for Edge of Tomorrow is finished and that they hope to get it moving once Tom Cruise finishes filming both Fish and Impossible films which sucks, Nick, because I think they're filming in, like, 2022, 2023. So it's like, we gotta yeah. wait till, like, 2025 to get the damn Edge of Tomorrow movie. Um, I'll have had to have seen that movie every year to remember it, to be that equally hyped <laughs> four or five years from now. Um, yeah. But, no, seriously, um, Nick, how excited are you that this is just happening? Like, we're actually getting a sequel to a really good um, first movie. Yeah, I mean, it's the best original movie that Tom Cruise has done since Collateral. 
Um, yeah. So obviously, you know, that wouldn't include any of the Mission Impossible movies, which have been really, really solid. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it's it's like one of his uh, it, one of his like really great achievements, and it's so funny because it was it was such a flop at the box office. Um, because the marketing for it was fucking terrible. They couldn't even come up with a fucking name for the movie. Like, I mean, obviously, every time we say it, we got to say Edge of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat. Because everything, all the posters said Live, Die, Repeat, but the movie is called Edge of Tomorrow. And so, like, you're going to see, you're like, hey, man, I want to I wanna see, uh, I'm looking at the board. I don't see Live, Die, Repeat. Um, all right, well, I guess we can go see this instead. And, you know, what? like, what the fuck? That is the worst piece of marketing I've ever seen in my whole goddamn life, especially for a movie that is, was so fucking good. Like, that movie is legit, um, like, awesome. It's fucking amazing, and Emily Blunt is in it, and she's fucking amazing. Um, and it's, it's such a creative idea and it's such a creative idea that, that nine times out of 10, that would not be delivered upon. Like you would take that idea and it would be, you'd be like, all right, we got Tom Cruise. Uh, we can just make a shit movie, but we, you know, we have a, a neat idea and a, and a big name actor and, you know, we'll, we'll make a bunch of money off of it. Um, and it's like they didn't do that. Like they didn't – like they actually crafted a really good script, a really good story. Um, it, it, like everything about that movie was like really, really well done. Um, and yeah, I mean it does suck that we – that it, it, it sucks first of all that it's taken this long. Um, but it also sucks that you know if, if we do ever get it, it's going to be – uh, you know, five, six years from now. Um, and, you know, it, it sort of leads me to think that there's a high probability that we just never get it, especially since, like I said, the first one didn't make a whole lot of money. I think it lost money, in fact. Um, and, it, I mean, it's just a shame, like, because it, it's, it, like I said, easily the best original movie he's done uh, since Collateral. Um, and, like, I think Collateral was, like, 2004, so like yeah. it's like the best original movie he's done in like 15 years, you know? Like I mean easily. Like it's way better than any of the other like the you know Mummy or what uh, Oblivion or I mean I can't I don't know I, 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 there's probably something I missed. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily count um, Tropic Thunder because it's not really a Tom Cruise movie even though um, his performance in it is fucking amazing. Um, but like. Yeah, I mean, there's just there, like it, it. It is one of the. I would say it's one of the quintessential Tom Cruise uh, action movies, uh, and you know, it's 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 a shame that it it didn't. It it just had such a terrible fucking marketing campaign that like probably cost it millions upon millions of dollars and cost us getting a sequel. At least yeah, for I, the foreseeable future, anyway. I will say that the um the only reason that this is even still being considered is that it DVD release did crazy numbers. Um, yeah, because it's really fucking good. <laughs> right, right. But I'm saying it didn't make money in the theaters because, like you said, it's poor marketing, which is why I tell people marketing is so important. Um, but, yeah, it, it completely crushed them. But the DVD release, because word of mouth, you're like, yo, I actually wanted to go see it. It was pretty dope. Um, people yeah, went like, out. Uh, like Dread. Yes, exactly. Just like Dread. So people just went, I'll Redbox, because Redbox was hot at that time. I'll Redbox it or I'll buy the DVD. And that did really good numbers for them. 
Um, yeah, and the people who red box it were like, "Shit, I gotta, I gotta own this fucking movie. I cannot yeah. go like uh, multiple years of my life without seeing this again. Like, you know, I gotta, I gotta have this one on fucking queue. Like, so or, you know, whether you know, at that time it's probably buying DVDs, but like even just like digital downloads nowadays, like that, those there's certain movies like that that you want to watch, um, you know, relatively frequently. And I think both of those kind of fall into that same category. Yeah, or definitely you you had them go. I want to show more people this that have not seen. It. Right. So let me buy the yeah, DVD. You know, have a, a movie night. There, well, and there's a there's actually a day called like Dread Day where you're supposed to buy a copy of Dread and like give it to somebody who doesn't have it. I forget what like what day it is, um, but I was like, dude, that's fucking dope, dude. Like they should have this for like every movie that's like really good that doesn't do well in the box office, like. You know, right. like, um, yeah, I mean, just like movies that you really care about that you're like, man, this this movie's really fucking good. Like, have a day where you just like, all right, cool. Like, I'm going to buy it for I, – I just met this person six months ago. Like, here, talking, here's a movie. Like, happy Dread Day. Like, fuck yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a cool gimmick. Yeah, my mom, she – when we were a little bit – when we were younger – sorry, not a little bit, but when we were younger, she used to always put a DVD in our stocking. Um, nice. not the best DVD, so hopefully she doesn't hear this episode, but she used to always do that. So, I mean, great mindset would be like, maybe if they didn't see this movie, I'll just put it in their stocking. Like movies are extremely cheaper now. Um, cause I just kind of feel like the idea of buying DVDs aren't as high. Um, I can have it on my phone or on my television. I don't need to buy the DVD. Um, right. but yeah, so, I mean, putting it in someone's stocking and saying, hey, you see Edge of Tomorrow? Nope. Well, now you can. It's in your stocking. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I hate that we're talking about this movie being a stocking stuffer, but <laughs> a good movie is a good movie. You get it out however you can. Um, but, right. Tia, um, Tia, did you see, and if you did see it, did you enjoy um, Edge of Tomorrow? I actually have never seen this movie. Talking <laughs> supper, see Nick. There we go. There we go, Nick. Talking <laughs> supper. Well, you know what? I look forward to it um, this Christmas from one of you guys. So thank you in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely, but yeah, I, I will say to you, is as passionately as you were about Snowpiercer is as passionate as I am about Edge of Tomorrow. It's one of those that's movies that's like, that's like, wow, you haven't seen that yet? you got to go see it. And I still have not seen Snowpiercer. So maybe that's our trade-off to you. Right. <laughs> I, I that's a little bit trade-off because y'all should both see both of those fucking movies because they're both <laughs> excellent. Like, they're really – but, like, seriously, they're both really – that, like, I even kind of look at them – I mean, they're totally different but similar in the sense that they're – futuristic sci-fi movies that take um, sort of off-the-wall premises, again, that nine times out of ten would not deliver a great movie, but they're so carefully crafted that they both deliver very great movies. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, that, that's a really good, uh, that's a good analogy, and I think, um, too, like one of the big reasons that Snowpiercer um, got so much notoriety is because they put it on Netflix forever. Um, yeah. Because, like, I mean, that was – that like, that that can, like, totally, you know, bring new life to something um, for it to be just, like, a thing on Netflix. Like, look at a movie like Goon. I don't know if y'all have ever seen Goon, um, but, uh, you know, that was on – it may still be on, but it was on Netflix forever. And, like, 
um, you know, that, that got that movie. It's, it's sort of following in notoriety and that ended up getting a sequel. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely y'all, y'all, each of y'all, uh, see the, the one of those movies that you haven't seen because they're both fantastic. And I'll say to your, to, your point, to your point, Nick, it being on a streaming service, like picture you just saw Endgame and you're like, man, Chris Evans was so good in this movie. Like, I want to see more of Chris Evans. And you go on Netflix that night, and the first thing that pops up is Snowpiercer. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll check it out. Like, I like Chris Evans. I'll, I'll check it out. So I'm like, streaming services really help save lives of movies that you maybe either never heard of, n- you know, knew existed, and you watch it, and you're like, man, I can't believe I missed out on this movie. So it's like, right. you know, it, it just works out really, really, really well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Snowpiercer, I'll check out. Tia, check out Edge of Tomorrow. Even though we both know neither one of us will anytime soon, but we at least have it on air so we Nick can go back to it <laughs> when he asks, did you guys see those movies? And we're like, did we say we were going to see them? We now have it on file, so we have to do it, Tia. Um, but all right, let's, um, let's move on. We got a few more topics to close out the show. Robert Zemeckis is in talks to direct a live-action Pinocchio movie for Disney. Um, I should be excited about this, but I've also never seen any of the Back to the Futures, so I don't think I've ever seen Robert Zemeckis movie. So, I and I don't like Pinocchio, so I don't know. I I, I don't know how to feel about this. So I'll give it to two people who are definitely more, um, you know. Go to Tia first on this one. Go to Tia first. Okay. I'm going to go to you first, Cynthia. Uh, Your thoughts on Robert Zemeckis and talks to direct Pinocchio, a live-action Pinocchio. I mean, I don't necessarily think we need a live-action Pinocchio. Um, I grew up on all of the cartoon Disney movies, and I do remember certainly enjoying um, Pinocchio, but wasn't there... God, wasn't there a Robin Williams live-action Pinocchio, like, years ago? I, or there, there was some like live-action Pinocchio movie like 20 years ago or something like that, and I thought it was like boring as shit. So no excitement uh, is going to come from me from the possibility of a real live-action Pinocchio movie. I like the card, and this is not one of those things where I'm like you know, oh, you have to preserve the fact that it was a cartoon movie, blah, blah, blah. It is solely from the fact that I just don't think it's interesting enough to have a live-action movie about. Very fair. I mean, again, I I did not enjoy the animated Pinocchio. So I'm just sitting here like, I I don't know how I should feel about this, but there's literally no excitement uh, in my body whatsoever. But maybe Nick will change that up. Uh, Nick, are you excited? about this news no not really but i the reason that i wanted for uh tia to go first um he did flight i'm sure you saw flight yeah i saw flight okay there you go so you've seen a robert zemeckis movie he also did uh forrest gump like you've had to have seen forrest gump right right Okay, so good. You've you've at least seen two Robert Zemeckis movies then. Um, I was like, I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, there's no fucking way you could have never seen a Robert Zemeckis movie. Like, I just had to, I had to do like a quick check. I I 
I didn't remember that he had done Flight, but I was pretty sure he had done Forrest Gump. But I wanted to make sure it was one of his movies and he wasn't just a producer. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple that you've seen. You should definitely check out Back to the Future. Uh, Back to the Future is fucking great. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know um, – like, I don't know how well, like, because, you know, there's there's certain movies that you see when you're a kid that um, that hold special place in your heart more so than if you were to see them as an adult. So I don't know. I don't think it would ever be, like, a special movie for you, but I do – I definitely think that you would enjoy it. I mean, they're just good movies, you know. Um, so, yeah, another, another another thing to add on to your to-do list is the Back to the Future trilogy, Juwan. Um but no, as far as like I, I'm just I'm already over the live action Disney movies. Like I haven't seen Aladdin, I haven't seen Lion King. Um, I like I don't know, man. I just I've already seen these movies. I know they change them up a little bit and all that, but like I don't know. I don't really need to see them again. Um, and it's not me like crapping on it or anything. Like I'm not saying oh they shouldn't remake these classics. I just don't care to see them. Like, it's great if they, you know, update them and bring them to a new generation and all of that kind of stuff. Like, it's totally fine. I, I don't mind it. Um, it's just, like, I don't personally feel the need to, like, rush out to see these movies. So, like, for that, that's the reason why I'm not, like, super excited. And um, and I don't know if this is, like, um, the Berenstein Bears thing or whatever, but I, I do, Tia. I do remember, like, a a live action Robert Williams Pinocchio. Something like something that right? rings the bell. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it wasn't good. Like it wasn't very good. Terrible. Um but uh but yeah, so anyway, I, I, I do I, I at least I, I I'm thinking that I'm with you on, on remembering that. So Well there you have it. We are not really looking forward to this movie. <laughs> But that is to be expected. Um, I mean, these 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 movies seemingly aren't necessarily for us. Um, I think they're maybe more for a younger demographic. Because um, I, I guess they kind of feel like you guys had these already. It, it's for someone else. But I mean, even if they aren't, I enjoyed I enjoyed Aladdin. I did not see Lion King, but it has nothing to do with my love for the animated Lion King. I just I'm not rushing out to pay money to hear Beyonce. Um, but I did really, really, really enjoy Aladdin, um, like more than I thought I would. So that's one of them that I can say. That, that and Jungle Book I love. So, you know, yeah, Jungle I, Book I, I, is really good. Yeah. So I don't have any issues with these kinds of movies. I just, I'm not a fan of Pinocchio. So that's my only issue here. Um, but I, I mean, I even like Pinocchio, though. Like, I, I mean, I do. Like, I used to watch it when I was a kid. I think it just all boils down to, like, um, you know, that the kids these days don't want to sit and watch that kind of animation anymore. Like, it's it seems True. so outdated to them. It's like when we used to sit down as kids and watch shows from, like, the 50s or black and white movies, you know, and, like, I mean, like, I I grew to like black and white movies, but I remember being a kid and like watching Wizard of Oz and like just waiting for the color part to happen. You know what I mean? Like I, I remember little things like that. So I like again, I don't mind them updating them. They're just like I've already seen it. I don't need to. Like I think I I finally watched Jungle Book when it hit HBO. Like and that's kind of how where I am with these movies. Like I'll, I'll watch them when they're convenient. I'm just not gonna go out of my way to do so. Yeah, no, very fair. But you did enjoy it. It, it was a really uh, well yeah. done movie. It was, yeah, it was very well done. 
But um, but all right, let's move on to our last topic. Um, Bond's Naomi Harris is in talks to play Shriek in Venom 2. Um, this excites me only because I like Naomi Harris. The only thing I truly loved her in was Ninja Assassins that I will say till I die deserves a sequel. Ninja Assassins deserves a sequel, people. Um, but I think she's a really good actress. I enjoyed her in uh, the James Bond movies as well. Um, but I think this is pretty cool. I mean, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, Shriek was hand-in-hand hand with um, Carnage. So we could possibly see Venom versus Carnage and Shriek. Or if Andy Serkis wants to get really trippy, we could see Venom and She-Venom versus Shriek and Carnage, which would just have blockbuster potential written all over it. But um, we'll see. Uh, excuse me. T, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on Naomi Harris um, possibly getting the role of Shriek for Venom 2? So I had no idea who Shriek was, but I like Naomi Harris, so this would be really cool. And if we get to see more of that connection between Shriek and Carnage, I think that that would really set up some fun in Venom 2. So I, you know, it's so funny because I didn't necessarily know who Naomi Harris was when I saw, like, say, the trailer to Black and Blue, this movie that she's going to be in next uh, Friday, I believe it releases. And then I realized that she plays Tia Dalma in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. So I was like, oh, shit, I know who this woman is. And then obviously she's in the James Bond movie. So I really like her. And if she has the opportunity to be brought into a Sony Marvel universe, and, of course, uh, acting across from Woody Harrelson and Tom Hardy. So I was really excited. I was like, you know what, I really like this idea. Um, it makes me want to read up on the character Shriek to know more going into the movie. But, yeah, so as far as, like, just kind of going from, like, the actress's perspective, I'm excited that she would be brought into um, what is probably going to be a very uh, big, um, you know, financial movie. Let's hope so. I mean, uh, I, I think if you're looking to get Feige even remotely interested in bringing this over, it, it has to be successful. And it has success yeah. written all over it. I mean, Andy Serkis at the top, and then you go down the cast list, and it's like it should be successful. Um, I mean, a lot about the first one kind of just seemed maybe a little bit flukish. Um, I remember telling you, Nick, that that year we were talking about our most anticipated movies, Venom was my most anticipated because I'm like, if this fails, it's going to put an axe to a lot of stuff going forward. Um, so the fact that it did really well, I was like, oh, thank goodness. So hopefully this can take it up like eight notches um, because there was definitely a lot of work to be done from that first movie. But um, Nick, your thoughts on the casting uh, or Naomi Harris being in talks to possibly play Shriek in Venom 2? Oh, I'd be totally down for it. I mean, I the the one like her, it was kind of her breakout performance. She was in Twenty Eight Days Later, and she was really good in Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, yeah. And uh, and of course, oh God, you know, she funny. went on. Yeah, and she went on to do you know, like you said, Tia, the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff, and then of course the Bond stuff, and she's been in you know a slew of other things. Um, but no, I've I've always liked her. I mean, ever since I saw her in that in that movie, um, and you know, I think she's a really talented actress. It's funny. My initial thought though was like, you, you, the you know, Hollywood has a penchant for casting um, 
like opposite love interests, um, like making women a lot younger than their male counterparts. Yeah. Like it's a very <laughs> sort of ageist uh, thing that goes on in Hollywood. So that was kind of my first like gut reaction. But um, Naomi Harris is a little bit older than I thought she was. Uh, she was born in 76. Woody Harrelson was born in 61. Um, so f- 15 years is still a pretty considerable difference, but it's not as much as I thought it would was going to be. Um, but I still kind of feel like that – I don't necessarily think that should disqualify her for getting the role by any means. Um, but I just I, – I think that that is – Maybe something that Hollywood should should work on a little bit, and and you know, um, maybe just not exclude, um, you know, act actresses from roles uh, based on a, a a notion of what what is going to have sex appeal and what is not, and thinking that some actresses are a little too old to play um, a. a, a a, a love interest character, um, like I think, I think it was in like, like kind of what comes to mind specifically with that is Charlize Theron um, was asked to play um, uh, the the mother of um, Diana in Wonder Woman, and was like, "Fuck that! Like I'm not fucking playing somebody's mom! Like, dude, no! Like, are you fucking kidding me?" Um, so, like, I I think. Uh, I think certain things like that, um, I, I still think they need to make some progress on. But as far as like uh, 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 Naomi Harris as an actor and her qualifications, I have no problem with it. I think she'll be great. Yeah, the funny thing about Charlize is that she felt as though she could play Wonder Woman. So when she she arrives and they're like, "What do you think about her mom? What is this? What she made me come down here for? Her mom? Right, exactly. I could be Wonder yeah. Woman. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I completely get that." Yeah, I completely get that. Um, to be fair, you know, shouts out to the the actress that actually did play Wonder Woman's mother. She did a fantastic job. That's not a knock. Is Robin Wright? To Wonder- yes, to be Wonder Woman's mother, but you don't offer that to Charlize Theron. <laughs> like you just you don't <laughs> you, you don't do that. Um, but but yeah, I'm glad we do have a little bit of time. I wanted to ask this this last week. We don't have to spend too much time. I'm just curious on where you both stand. Um, I had this conversation with a fan page two weeks ago. Um, I made the statement, I do not feel as though Robert Downey Jr. deserved a Oscar nomination for Endgame. Uh, I didn't. I still don't. But I am curious, Nick, I'll start with you. Do you think um, he deserved a Oscar nomination? I would say he deserves consideration for a nomination. Um you know, I I wouldn't say that he. I wouldn't just sit here and say, oh yeah, he definitely should get a nomination. I mean, I haven't seen a whole the fucking movies that are going to be released. It's not generally the type of performance um, that would warrant an uh, Oscar nomination. Um, and I would say that I don't even think this is Robert Downey's best work as Tony Stark. So it would certainly be, you know, it it, it would be a. Um, <clears throat> It, it it would be like what we not like a lifetime achievement award, but it would be it would be an award for his performance throughout all of these movies. Um, and and you know, in in that sense, you know, if they wanted to kind of throw him a bone and give him a nomination, sure. But I mean, I think if you look at his performance in this versus his performance in say Civil War, um, like I, I think his performance was a little better in Civil War. Um, now, granted, that doesn't mean. 
I mean, it, obviously the Oscars, it's all ebb and flow, um, you know, depending on, you know, what uh, what other movies happen within a given year. But I think if, if anything, if he was going to get the nomination, the way that the films were so um, sort of lackluster in last year's Oscars, you would have thought it would have come for uh, Infinity War. Because, I mean, he was fucking damn good in that movie. Um, but these just – these aren't usually movies that you're going to get that sort of um, generated buzz per se. Yeah, I mean, even if even if they were. Like, let's say, Nick, in a perfect world, these were the kind of movies where you did get that kind of buzz from, right? My only yeah. issue is um, – I look at it like this. And, and this is the, the main thing I told Joel. I said the main reason why I don't think he deserves it for Endgame – is because if you're telling me that everyone was okay that Hugh Jackman didn't get any consideration for Logan, you're not telling me that Robert Downey Jr. deserves it for Endgame. Because I can tell you right now. Right, but Hugh I, Jackman, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I think, again, I think you're conflating. I don't think the people who would tell you that Robert Downey Jr. deserves a nomination would be the same people that would be telling you that Hugh Jackman did not deserve one. Uh, no, 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 one. no, no, and then and then two. I also think again you have to look at it year to year. You have to look at performances year to year. There's no there's no like standard for what deserves one and what doesn't. It, it it's all about what your competition is in any given year. So I think it's tough to to you know balance those two things. I'm not saying they would say he didn't deserve it. I'm saying there's no way because there was no fuss. Um, like the fandom didn't make any fuss to get Hugh Jackman. Um, like there were no petition, there was nothing to get him um, yeah. any kind of Oscar um, consideration. Sure. So the fact that Endgame is where we're deciding this this was Robert's best performance. No, no, no. And to me, I kind of feel like out of that movie, if I had to decide between a performance between him and and and, uh, and Cap. Kind of not, not Cap. I'm sorry, Thor. I kind of felt like I felt more from Thor than I did from from Stark. Um, and, and I kind of feel as though it was built that way because you kind of felt like Infinity War was Cap and, and Stark, and this was just a continuation of it. But it kind of just felt like Infinity War and Endgame was an entire arc for um for right. Thor. Like we really saw a complete arc, and I think if anyone deserved it, it it's it's Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Um, so I'm like, I, I, there's so many reasons why I don't think Robert Downey Jr. Um, should get the nod, but he, you know, he gracefully bowed out and said, don't even Disney, don't even try to put me in for that. Um, but Tia, I want to go to you before we run out of time. I apologize. Um, do you think uh, Robert Downey Jr. deserves um, a nomination or even consideration uh, for a nomination for um, his performance in Endgame? First of all, I have to say really quick, I completely agree with you that Chris Hemsworth is, in fact, the person who probably deserves it the most because his acting, especially in Endgame and dealing with the hurt of what he feels, is just wonderful. Um, If Robert Downey Jr. is going to get a nod, it should be as a whole, not Endgame, but just maybe as his career in the MCU as a whole. It's hard for me to say a definitive no because I don't feel that strongly as a definitive no, but I then again don't feel so strongly for a yes as well. Um, I think as a whole, 
for the whole entire MCU, he would deserve a nod. But if we're just narrowing it down to Endgame, Chris Hemsworth, I believe, would probably be more worthy of that nod than he is. Yeah, because I kind of this because I, I, I haven't seen it yet. So, but Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, would you give it to him or Robert Downey yes. Jr.? Joaquin Phoenix, one hundred percent. Phoenix by a landslide, eight landslides. So I think that my, he gets my, it like my, now. My, I, I, right, and I, I I expected that answer, but my my qualification, my reason for saying that, you're not going to get two lead actors from comic book movies getting a nod. So I think that answers your question, then, Jawan. Yeah, but I I I feel this strong, even if the Joker movie was terrible. Like even if his performance wasn't that good, I still feel as though I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in, especially if you're telling me he's getting in for Endgame. I I would still say no. I I would say no, and if anyone else said no, I would back them. No, like to me that one scene with Thor where he's talking to his mother, that to me that one scene is better than any Robert Downey Jr. emotional scene in that entire movie. That Thor uh, okay, that's over the line, in in my opinion. But uh, um, you know, to each his own. What what scene? What really quickly? What scene from Endgame would you put up? Are you fucking kidding me? The fucking finale. Like, dude, he fucking saves everybody. Fucking snaps, and he's I'm Iron Man, and then he's like fucking dying there, dude. Like that shit was gripping as fuck. Nah, I I'm not saying it's not, but I felt more from that. Because to me, you saw every ounce of Thor get stripped. You saw it when he lost his father. You saw it when he lost mm-hmm. Loki. And then you saw it when he had to say goodbye to his mother. And he couldn't, like, he wanted to tell her, like, leave so you don't die. And she's like, no, if it's my time, it's my time. But you have to go be the, the person. That, to me, hit a lot harder um, than that end scene with, with, with the snap. That just, it, it hurts okay. your core because you're just seeing him break. Um, and that's why at the end where he's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just making sure we kill him this time. So that, to me, I thought was a better performance from Hemsworth than I thought Robert Downey Jr. gave in, in Endgame. But anyway, I love this conversation. We maybe got to make this an episode of, of Geeks Against the Grain or something. But Nick, Tia, thank you both so much. Had a great time. Um, we will see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace. See ya. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.